My guest Lynn Lambrack firmly believes that we all need to live life fully every day. Love with all your heart and always be prepared because we don't know when our time here is finished. On this episode of the Executor Help Podcast, what to prepare now while you're living. This is the Executor Help Podcast. Learn how to settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, go to davidedy.com. Now here's your host, David Eady. I'm so fortunate today to have Lynn Lambrecht. She is a life strategist and the creator of the Living Planner. Lynn, thanks for taking the time to be here on the Executor Help podcast. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You weren't always a life strategist. You actually were had a different vocation before, and I found that really interesting. And it's from your, your first vocation that ended you up having me you become a life strategist. So let's let's go back in time and talk a little bit about your first vocation, what it was. Uh, the time the time travel. We will go back um, many years back. Um, I started my aviation career um, in 1983 and I was working at the time with Northwest Orient Airlines, which then became Northwest Airlines, which has subsequently been purchased by Delta Airlines. Um, I was their first woman sales rep in their San Francisco sales office. Um, and I was hired at that point for a specific sales territory, to, which covered the East Bay, Marin County, 101 North, all a designated spot in the Bay Area. And I called on corporations and government and military installations and tour operators and travel agencies and the Hawaii wholesalers. So um, my first day on the job, uh, um, all the guys came and got me and told me that there was a phone call from headquarters. And um, I thought they were teasing me at first. And they said, no, no, serious, serious. And I picked up the phone and it was it was some people from headquarters asking, they were recruiting me to become a volunteer emergency team responder. Um, and when I asked what that entailed, they told me that if we were ever to have an air, airplane accident, I would be called to work on site, um, either assigned to one particular family or where the families gathered or to work in the uh, command center or to work on the ground um, and in the temporary morgue that we would have to establish. Right. And so right. my response was, yes, you know, please. I had had crisis intervention training um, in my days in college and in graduate school. When I was paying for school, I was a resident assistant in undergrad and a head res in grad school. And in my family, um, people were all like in the medical, dental, and sciences professions. And so I um, was not called to that field, but um, as for as, as lively as I can be, I'm incredibly calm in a bad situation. And um, that service heart that I've had since I was a little kid um, is part of who I am. And so if something is bad, you know what? I want to try to help support people and fix it. So you felt that's probably what you would bring to the table in terms of one of the reasons that you would want to join this special kind of team is that your empathy for others and staying calm when and the crisis intervention training that I had had too, I felt was giving me a good preparation because, you know, there are critical situations that occur throughout life. Um, and there are skills that you can learn 
through some different training elements that are out there. And that was part of my, you know, schooling experience, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I was a lifeguard and all those kinds of crazy things too. So, um, you know, that when I said yes, I mean, I didn't really think that it would occur quickly. Um, but I did come to find that I was called twice in my 20s. Right. to actually serve in that role. In that role, you had to deal with, you know, families had to cope with sudden deaths or there was an incapacity. Can you talk about some of your experiences and how did that affect you as who you are today as a human being? Because clearly it, it's a family. It's it's not an individual, but it's it's a sudden mm-hmm. loss, which is probably- Well, and it can be, it can be an entire company. It can be a community. I mean, the people that are impacted- but because of the loss of one person can be vast, um, depending on that person's life. And even if it's a few people, guess what? They mean the world, you know, he, that those we mean the world to each other. So, um, no, my first experience um, was very eye opening and it planted the seed for what I do today, um, because I was really I had two different roles in, in, during that time. Um, When I had first arrived, because I had come in from the West Coast, I had to fly overnight. Mm. And so the families had all been assigned people. And so my that's, I think, where I always thought I would be. But instead, I was asked to work on the ground and in the morgue during the daytime to help try to identify people. But from midnight to six in the morning, I was heading up. <clears throat> excuse me, heading up the crisis phone lines for the family members. And that's that from I, it, that was due to an air crash or you, you honor a couple of the flights. Um, yes. Uh, two, five, five. I worked two, I, I worked two crashes in my twenties with Northwest, but then I had changed con- countries and companies with um, my aviation career. And I moved to China with United. And um, so then when I had, I had come back to the United States when my parents were both failing, um, they had severe health challenges. My dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and my mom had heart issues. So I worked out of our Chicago office headquarters location at United um, and drove across the state every weekend to help mom and dad where I had grown up on the Iowa border of Illinois. But I worked 9-11 as a crash also. United flights that had flown into the South Tower. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, it must've been devastating. How did you, I mean, because of the, the, the situation, we've never seen anything like this in our lives. And, you you know, your team and you specifically, how did were you able to keep calm? How were you able, you know, how were the families affected? Because Horribly. It, I mean, everyone was impacted. Um, the fear of terror was something that had not been known to to many at that point. I mean, I think in the aviation industry, we had a, um, a little bit of a different view uh, from the standpoint that anytime an airplane was going to lift off and, you know, you had to make sure that the cargo on board was safe and the people were, were safe and the aircraft itself was safe. Um, and we had gone through different things to just make sure or, you know, try to ensure the safety for our for our flyers. But um, I will tell you that terror is was something that none of us, I don't don't think because American Airlines lost two planes, we lost two planes that day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, none of us were really prepared for that. And the the public was not prepared for that because we weren't used to having 
something happened. And I mean, the, thanks to the dear Canadians in Newfoundland, I mean, they it were housing so many people that because they had, we had to shut the airwaves down because we didn't know if there were additional airplanes that could be at risk. You know, so and I was not able, <clears throat> that was the one crash site I was not able to go to because we weren't able to fly. So my job was working out of our Chicago reservations office. I was assigned to a specific family um, and my job was to call and notify them and um, to be available to help them with their um, different planning and different things that they needed to care for. And take me through what was that like? Cause you, you had that number, you made that phone call phone rings it was it was devastating it on it was devastating on so many levels that i think in some ways when you're a little bit in there's a bit of shock that even goes on with us um of the unknown and so i mean you, i put up a little bit of a protection wall if you will um because at the end of the day i you know nobody looks forward to re making or receiving that phone call and when you are looking through a passenger manifest and being assigned to a person, um, that's something whereby I you just put your heart out there um, and see what you can do to help that family, you know, prov and provide resources to that family so that they can get through that horrible time. Yeah, you know, because when I hear, well, of course, of nine eleven, but any of these airline crashes of course it's it's the loss of life and you, you feel bad and this is terrible but you it's people like you and you should be commended and there's and the other you know team members that people will take on that job because that's a special type of job because it's a different type of unexpected death and the grief is something that it's overwhelming it is overwhelming it's indescri it's indescri it's indescribable because in that moment the mortality of anyone and everyone involved, you realize that in the blink of an eye, it's a trite phrase, but in the blink of an eye, your world can change. And that's what I heard consistently throughout all, all the crashes. And that's the piece that drove me to now be the proactive cheerleader to try to help people in advance of needing it and feel comfortable in advance of needing it to know that you have an understanding of what people do, an understanding of where things are, and also an, um, kind of a, a peace of mind that you're taking care of like the business side of life. Because ultimately, we do so much, David, in autopilot. I mean, we play to our strengths. I mean, we live in families. You know, you do this really well, honey go, you do that, I'll take care of this, you know, and yet never, never the twain shall meet was the piece that I heard again and again and again. And that was the, that's what was like baffling to me. Our culture doesn't really discuss this kind of stuff often. And some cultures do. Well, this kind of grief is unimaginable and I can't imagine you know again what you did and then what you know how the families have to go through what did you learn from it and how do you explain it to others so that they can cope with their own grief you know the grief side I refer people to other grief trained specialists because I have I am the one that works on more the practical day-to-day -day stuff 
Am I, am, am I empathetic? Absolutely. Can I listen? Absolutely. But when it comes to truly working through the grief, that isn't what I do. Mm -hmm. um, the, the grief piece, I think, is something that is different for everyone. We all learn to learn to deal with, maybe cope often, um, and hopefully not ignore. Did and you, that's. Did you see that when you were talking to the families that some family members, everybody had initially, initially there was shock. Okay, once you get over the shock, then. You, then you, you that's when you can tell some people literally um, must do things to try to regain a sense of normal, a sense of what day to day life is. Some people go into utter like despondency mm -hmm. and it's very difficult to function. Some people, you know, I mean, I think I, I, I could give you a range of emotions that would cover the alphabet when it comes to coping. And I will tell you that a time frame, there is no one time frame. I mean, it's not one size fits all for anyone. It is you. I mean, I can speak personally. There are times when I will hear music or smell smells that remind me of my one of my parents and I'll tear up. And that's just what it is. So, I mean, I think the the more you can, um, uh, for me, feeling emotion is really important. Boxing it in what, it isn't helpful mm -hmm. for me. But each person must cope and react in the way in, which can bring them forward. And there are trained specialists to help people through very specific programs so that they can acknowledge, you know, where they are, how they are, things for to help them kind of come through it and and come make it on the other side. These, the you know, deaths, um, unexpected deaths like you, you know, helping families through uh, unimaginable tragedies. These are aren't cons discussions that a lot of people want to have. They don't want to plan about plan for it or they don't even want to think about it. And, and why do you think that people don't want to have these conversations? You know what? I wonder if it starts sometimes when we're little. You know, I mean, the the for me, it was always something that was okay to talk about. My, my, my family, not so much. But I know for me, maybe being the youngest in my family, and I was kind of a surprise <laughs> at the end of my, you know, and my parents were older and my siblings were older. So it was interesting because I was younger when my cousin was diagnosed with a brain tumor and died. And I was younger when a grandparent, my grandmothers, you know, were ill and then died. I never knew a grandpa. Um, they, they, they weren't with us by the time I showed up in this planet. So, you know, that it seemed from this kid as an, a little one, as an observer, it was like, okay, death is part of life that was my take on it now my older siblings think i'm nuts they tell me i was dropped by aliens <sighs> you know so it, it's just each in society we tend to come together and cry we might call it a celebration of life but it tends to be mourning and so when people are mourning you're not really um you're not really in a celebratory mood and so it can bring on that that 
heaviness and that fear rather than just saying, wow, what a life well lived. So, I mean, our society isn't, isn't geared for that so much and having end of life conversations or half the time, I mean, we don't, it's like live for today. That's, you know, more of the mantra rather than, Hey, you know what? Live today. Absolutely. Cherish it. And Hey, just make sure somebody can step in and help you if you need it. Cause what I deal with isn't just death. I mean, I, there's incapacity that occurs too. And there are many times when we're not at a hundred percent and that's when we really do need people to step in and help us while we're living. But also when we're not here, do we want to leave them a mess? Is that how we want to be remembered? So, you know, it, so <laughs> I know in, 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 in the, and we'll talk about the living planner in, in a second is that you said how it was in your family, because I know you do mention about your dad knew he should talk about, or he avoided talking about, it, but you said he was like an ostrich sort of, that he sort of my entire family oh honey he, they were adorable i mean their cute little heads were in the sand and their cute little butts were, were up wiggling i mean part of that was generational i mean my dad was in world war ii um he and mom grew up during the depression it's you know you kept your private matters private and you didn't really talk about stuff and blah 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 well when i was moving to china um i went home and had the monitor with my mom and dad and said, Hey, guess what? I can fly home from anywhere in the world in 24 hours and help if needed. Yet, if I don't have the necessary permissions to do what maybe you would like me to do, then I will be unable to help you. Because I had started talking to them after I worked my first crash. And, you know, I was, oh, we don't want to talk about that. So, you know, I just said, Is it possible that I could uh, give you the layperson's and understanding of all this stuff and let's do a little home checkup here kids and they, they granted that permission thank heavens because things were updated in such a way that allowed those that they wanted to help to be able to help when like dad was diagnosed with alzheimer's i mean he wouldn't have had mental capacity to make any legal changes um, mm -hmm. you know thank god we did all of that before i left so is that why you created the Living Planner? And what is it? And, and who's it for? Well, the Living Planner is a true evolution of my life. It's all the patchwork quilt pieces of life. So it's the things that I have experienced professionally, but it's also very personal. Because you know what, when you love people, guess what, there are times when you step up and step in. That's the way I look at it. And, and then maybe that's, you know, that's at least for me. And what I saw is that in the American, in the U.S., um, there was a, quite a gap. I mean, people had worked with various professionals, et cetera, et cetera. And yet those legal documents and things that, you know, that's one piece of it. But that was the piece that I studied first because I knew that less than 60 percent of American adults even had a will. And less, you know, less than 60% of American adults even had an advanced health directive. Around the and same Canada me, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and our numbers are only going up since the pandemic. People are more and more scared of it than, rather than the numbers going down. So it was just that was like a huge gap. But the other piece that I saw was um, how little we talked about the day-to-day -day stuff 
And that's where I'm kind of that, that unique one, because I want to talk about from how you get into your house until it, all the way through to how you want to end, you know, end of life. So, you know, there, there's a big chasm in there and we can work with financial planners. We can work with insurance people. We can work with the medical staff. We can work with the attorneys. But what about day to day? You know, does somebody know enough? So the living planner decided when I was kind of creating it, I thought, all right, I'm going to write a book first, what to prepare now while you were living. And I want it to be more layperson ish rather than all the professional lingo that people use in their trade. And I thought, okay, let's talk about pre-planning. Let's talk about after a loss, because, you know, at a loss, it's tough time. And, you know, what are the actual practical things that need to be done and what can you let go until you get to section three, which is the ongoing follow up. And then I have appendices to help people start recording information that could be useful. Um, so, yeah, it just that was the first thing I did. I thought that would be my trial run to see how it worked. And it's it's not digital. It's all you're just putting it's old school where it's paper, paper to pen. Yeah. And I, I mean, and people, I mean, I, I will provide them honestly with the documents when they ask for it too. It's just uh, my ebook had been poached by someone who pretended to be me and sold for quite a bit more than I sold my stuff for. So I decided to reclaim my intellectual property and take it offline. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> you do what you got to do. Cause you know, there's, 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 there's all kinds out there. But what you're doing is helping a lot of people. Is it? Is there a, a, a particular person who you would say, you know what, you need to, you need to be doing this living planning, or is there, there, there could be the person say, you know what, I'm too, I'm too young for this. I don't need to hear this, or I'm too yeah, old. Yeah, you know, the, you, I'm glad you brought up the young part because I have to tell you, the people that tend to be like the people that I work with are younger. And maybe it's because I did all my stuff in my 20s. Um, and I, I do, um, yeah, I work with a lot of younger people because I can ask them what they know about those that cared for them, whether it was parents or older siblings or grandmas or aunts, you know, who their caregivers when they were growing up, could they step in and help them? And then we can take the conversation to, okay, now what about you? So I can kind of, you know, like offset it on a little bit of both sides. And the younger we are, David, the easier it is because it's like going to work out in the gym. We are not buff overnight. It is repeated effort. And so the interesting thing about this is the younger we start, um, the I mean, we just like, okay, it becomes more of the habit. And when I grumble, when I do my taxes every year and I take a look at this stuff at the same time, just to make sure there haven't been changes or updates or things that I need to do. I think one of the most disappointing things that people hear is that, what do you mean? It's not all done forever because we all, because you know, ah, that's a big relief when it's finished. And then I'll laugh and say, sorry to be buzzkill, but this is kind of an ongoing thing. I mean, as you move, as you buy things, as you sell things, as you get married, as you have kids, as you get divorced, as you this, as you that. It's, it's your life. It's, updated. It's, it's, it's a it's, part it's, of your life now. It's part it's, of your ever-changing ever adulting world. When I asked you who's it for, it could be for two sets of people. You know, it's the, the person who, you know, see mom and dad are slowing down and they might know they're the executor. 
or they don't know what's going on, but it's a, a conversation starter. So, you know, why don't we sit down or and they talk even, about this? They haven't even had the benefit of your knowledge of understanding what an executor is because they have nothing prepared. So it's an educational process almost. I feel like I'm an educator and an advocate with my consultancy work because I work with businesses and people. Right. And the interesting part is to like kind of describe it in the personalized strategies for contingent your contingency plans. That's, you know, a way that I talk about it. It's yeah, we get to strategize about our life, but we also need to be prepared for some risk because guess what? It comes. So let's just get ahead of it because we can have a fire. We can have a tornado or hurricane, an earthquake, you know, I mean, flooding. So it's all happening when we're living. If we needed to leave and could never come back, could we start over? And not only for the conversation starter with the, the children to the parents, maybe the parents realize that they should be doing something and maybe. make it exactly. easier on the kids. You know, let me just start to fill out some of it. They may not have had the conversations, but you know what, let's just get a little bit organized and I'll start to do things. I think it's a really great thing you're doing. I think the planner is a, is a great idea. It's a, it's a conversation starter. It's a conversation continuer because as you said, yeah. your life is fluid. It's not over. I think it's, you know, one of the greatest gifts of love that you could give to your, to your family to be that organized. And it's also yeah. great uh, gift of love to say that your parents, I want to make sure that you're going to be okay and that the family's going to be okay. Let's just organize, um, get yourself. Well, and, we, and, and know how to help you when, when that might be needed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was so relieved that I knew what my parents wanted when it came time, when dad didn't know me for the last three and a half years of his life. I, I knew things that mattered to him. I mean, I knew the music that he liked to listen to. I knew that kind of stuff. The same with my mom. And so guess what? I want, want to make sure that they feel safe and cared for um, as I felt safe and cared for. But yeah. um, younger families that I work with, David, it's especially needed because when they have children, if they don't make some decisions fairly early in a legal way about guardianship, should something occur to them um, in this country, the children are sent to child, child protective services, Same in not to be, not to be mean. Over. Yeah. yeah, not to be mean. It's just that the courts don't know if your family's nice. And if you haven't told them in that legal document that somebody's okay, um, they want to protect the child. So it's something that we don't do a whole lot of education about when we are younger. So guess what? It's up to people like me and you to educate them. Three remaining moments we've got here. We're doing the living planner. You already kind of said that, hey, people think, oh, this is going to continue on. I got to do this. Is there an end? Is there an end? Uh, is there an end to the planner? Um, because I, I want to you know, give people a feeling of how they, how they should feel once they complete it. Or, the planner uh, for me is more of the a beginning awareness because it's going to give you the overview, like the roadmap, the big roadmap. So if I'm driving from California to New York, I don't just hop in the car and drive. I need a little bit of a roadmap to know what the things are that I need to accomplish. 
So there are going to be, when you start it, guess what? If you don't have financial plans in place, you're going to probably want to meet with a financial planner. And in my well-being checkup, I go, it's personalized. And I, we talk a lot about this stuff. If you don't have insurance policies to protect yourself in case you're disabled um, or, you know, for life insurance and things of that level, you probably are going to want to confer with a, an insurance agent. If you don't have your legal documents done, you're going to need to do that on your own and meet with an attorney that's licensed in your state that um, can help you. Um, the medical directives are done when you're doing your legal documents, which is great. But, you know, that's, it's like, that's, it just is almost an awareness builder to get people going. If they want personalized one-on-one -on -one kind of situation, I do that too. Mm -hmm. um, and we really talk because, you know, sometimes people are married to foreign nationals, people are expats, people are, the, you know, this, to that. I mean, I've had, thankfully, living in 17 places in 35 years around the world, I've had various experiences. So people with multiple properties in different states or in different countries, well, guess what? Planning for that's a little different than planning for somebody that's renting an apartment. So, you know, it's just however you want to go, we go. So through the exercise of the, the living planner, because uh, you still didn't give me an answer. How are we going to feel? I told you it's the that? awareness. It's the awareness builder. Are we arguing with each other now? Is that where we're at now at this point? Are we arguing? We're not arguing, are we? No. Oh, I thought we were. Okay. Okay. No. Because, because you didn't answer my question. So what's been the feedback? I'm sure people have came back to you and said, you know what? I, I'm glad we did this. Um, it helped me. What's well, been... a couple, a couple of different levels. One, if somebody buys my book and I know, and, and, you know, orders it through me, then I do. I mean, it's the book itself. They have a, they get to have a read. I don't bug them if they want to follow. I mean, I offer to follow up with everybody if they choose to, that's wonderful. And then I get to like, and engage. Right. Um, if I don't, I mean, many people I don't hear from, but when it's purchased through like maybe um, a professional a referral from a different, like a, a financial industry or insurance engines, um, industry, et cetera, often I'll have fireside chats afterwards. And we have almost like a book club right. where we like sit down together and actually talk. And that's when we really kind of get into the dirt. Um, so, the, I mean, I've had very, a lot of compliments and just a thank you of not knowing that there was that much stuff that we need to do um, in, they, because people are pretty much floored. They don't know that there's that big of an administrative side to our lives. I mean, exactly. we just kind of like go on and go on while, unfortunately, there's a whole bunch of gunk in there and that administrative clog. So yeah, it's up to us. I get very good feedback from that. Um, the sheets in the back, people like those too, because they're like, what do you mean I have to documents and I should know where they are? Oh my God. So, you know, it's, it, I do see a lot of light bulbs that go off afterwards, but I will also confess that a lot of people will take a look at it and go, oh God, and put it on a shelf. And then I get a call like a year later. Okay, Lynn, now it's time. Yeah. So, you know, I think everybody like grief. We have to take things at our own pace. Yeah. My gosh, my poor parents, I badgered them for 15 years before they did anything. Wow. But see, but you're a special person based on, you know, your your <laughs> life experiences, what you've gone through. My last question to you, 
if there's one thing our listeners should start doing after listening to us, um, what you, would you suggest? Think about the people in your world that could actually step in for you if it's needed. And I say that very generally. I use the term step in. But who's the person that could do handle finances if you if you weren't if you were unable and still living? And I want you to think about that because who would you give the okay to to actually come in and be your helper? Same with like making medical decisions for yourself. If something went on and you were unable to speak, who is that person that you would? Ask actually have those heart to heart discussions about do you wish to be resuscitated do you you know i mean what are your preferences do you want to be continue to receive feeding do you want i mean all that crazy stuff that we don't want to think about pick people that are going to honor your wishes even when everyone else disagrees so you need somebody that's got a little bit of the smarts but also a, um, a little bit of spine to stand up to others who may disagree and somebody with a big old heart that would actually honor your wish. That's great. That's great. Lynn Lambrecht, the life strategist. She's the creator of the living planner. How can people get in touch with you? Find out more questions, get the planner. Um, My email is Lynn L Y N N at the living planner.com. And that's an email that you can send in. I mean, I will get um, without a question. If you prefer to text me, it is 1-951-400-5966. And if you want to go to my website, it's HTTPS, thelivingplanner.com. And you can take a have a general look about um, what I do and how, why why I do it and see what I offer. Thank you for being here on the uh, show, Lynn Lambrecht, Lambrecht, the life strategist, the creator of the Living Planner. Thanks again for being here, and hopefully we'll talk down in the future because you've got a lot of interesting stories and uh, still a lot more to share. And again, thank you in um, you know for what you did to help the people, especially nine eleven mm-hmm. and some of the other. Uh, tragedies that people had to go through so thank you thanks for having me on david and hey you guys don't be scared guess what you can always change your mind if you make a decision you can undo it and make a new one so don't let that stuff hold you back because a lot of times we let our fears hold us back and all i say is take a little step take the next little step you can do it thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast please share it with others Post about it on social media or by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. To catch up with all the latest from me, go to davideady.com. There you can follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next time.